Hey, welcome everybody to Church Online. My name is Aaron Jane and I have the privilege of being the pastor right here at Coastline Church. Now, if you've had a chance to experience our outdoor family style service, then you know what it's all about. If not, I want to invite you out. If you're comfortable coming out into a public gathering with social distancing in place, we are meeting outdoor every weekend, Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for an outdoor family style service right in our parking lot here at Coastline Church. There's a moment for the kids, kids worship as well as adult worship. Uh, in the middle of the message, we do a moment for the children at the same time as the adults. So it's really one of those kind of old-fashioned, uh, something like I grew up in in the Southern Baptist world where the kids would come to church with the parents and there would be just moments for them throughout the service. So it's been a lot of fun. And so I invite you to join us with one of the outdoor experiences. We're in the middle of what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, typically in August, we don't include the fasting, but right now with everything going on in the world today with COVID-19 and this just unprecedented time that, that we're in, we just really felt we needed to pray and fast this season. And so 21 days, we began all week long this week, Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. We have virtual prayer meetings where we're gathering together with 534 churches across America joining with us to pray. And so I invite you to join us on our live platform where you're watching this video right now. If you're on the live dot coastlinechurch.org platform. That's where prayer is every morning at 6 a.m. You can come say hi to me before that on Instagram Live at about five minutes before six, or just join us and let us know you're there in one of the chat rooms uh, every morning this week, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. sharp. If you don't have one of our prayer guides, we are transitioning this into a digital outline right now. I'm actually today in today's message teaching uh, out of page 38, one of the prayers that are in here. We're going to create a digital format where you can load it into your uh, tablet or your your mobile phone, wherever you want to load it towards, or you can get a hard copy at any of our outdoor services, or if you email the church, we can mail you one, we can send you one, we can deliver one. We've got a team of people that would love to get this in your hands because it is powerful. A lot of people would pray if they knew how to pray. And what this is, is walks you through different patterns, and outlines in the Bible of what prayer is all about. So again, I want to encourage you to join us this week, Monday to Friday. There's two weeks left, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. right at live.coastlinechurch.org. Well, this August, as we're in the middle of 21 days, my goal as your pastor is to lead you closer to God. When you look at a shepherd in the Old Testament, and that's what a pastor is, it is a shepherd. The job of the shepherd was to lead and guide the sheep to new eating places and new watering holes where they could be refreshed and they could be energized and, and they could be cared for. Well, that's really what the job of a pastor is, is to lead you to different places where you can connect with God on a deeper level, be refreshed, grow in your faith, grow in your spiritual life. And so what this series is all about is to lead you to one of those places of prayer. We've titled the series Book of Prayers, and obviously that is the Bible. And our theme verse for the series is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul says, pray in the Spirit in every situation. So not just in church, not just on Sunday, not just in your small group, but in everything. 
pray. We actually have a motto here. We got bracelets that say, pray first, because prayer is not our last resort. It is our first response. And so before you send that email, pray. Before you post on Instagram, pray. Before you drop the kids off at school, pray. Before you get on that business phone call or Zoom meeting, pray first. So we pray in every situation. And then it goes on to say, use every kind of prayer and request that there is. Meaning there are more than one kind of prayers in the Bible. The Bible is full of different patterns of prayer, outlines of prayer, prayers that you can pray. And today we're going to look at one of my personal favorites. We call it the prayer of Jabez. Now this is my go-to prayer. Last week I showed you probably what I consider to be one of the most beautiful patterns of prayer in the Bible, the tabernacle prayer with Moses. If you've ever seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, it centers around the Ark of the Covenant. And obviously we don't, we don't go through the process like an Old Testament priest would, but they're symbolic of different places we go to in prayer as we're approaching God, a protocol, a pattern. Well, today I'm going to give you my number one prayer that I pray on a regular basis, if not daily. Like this is my go-to prayer. If I only have a minute, I pray this prayer. If I have 20 minutes, I pray this prayer. I can spend an hour on this one outline of prayer that we get. And it's found in the book of 1 Chronicles. Now we just we just finished 1 Chronicles in our one-year uh, Bible reading plan. And if you've ever read 1 Chronicles, then you know it, it, it's not the most exciting book. Uh, to be very honest, it, it, it's sometimes hard to read because all it is really is a list of names. And there's not a lot of content in Chronicles. It's, it's basically, you know, this guy begat this guy who begat this guy who begat this guy who begat this guy who begat this guy, chapter 2. This guy, and it all starts over again. And so you've got this, this massive list of names in Chronicles. And all of a sudden, in the middle of, of like 600 names, out of all these random people that you've never heard about, and the Bible really doesn't tell us anything about their life other than their name, there's a guy that gets this honorable mention. Something about this guy that God, God kind of says, pause, stop, hold on, I need to say something about this guy. Of all the guys that we're talking about, this guy gets an honorable mention. And it says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So he gets this honorable mention right in the middle of the Bible. It says his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Now, if you know anything about biblical names, names are very prophetic in the Bible. They, they, they kind of give us a, a, a view into the person's life, their calling, their destiny. So we don't know here if you know, her, his mother just had a really rough pregnancy and delivery and named him Jabez, or if he had a very difficult and a painful life. He just was, was dealt with a lot of painful circumstances throughout his life, which was very, very likely for the Bible to record it this way. And so it's kind of like, you know, you really don't want to be called Jabez growing up. You can imagine uh, the bullying he must have got at the playground as a child being called pain. You're just a pain. You're, you're a pain in the neck. You're, you're, you're a pain in the side. You're just a pain. You're a pain to everyone. And you could imagine how that would affect his psyche. 
Uh, see, here's the challenge for many of us. So many people I see today, especially in Christianity, are living out a script for their life because of a name that somebody labeled them with. But it wasn't the name that God gave them. It wasn't the name that, that, that is their calling and their promise and their purpose. It was just a name that was kind of labeled on you. What I like about Jabez is he didn't focus on the label. He didn't focus on the name that had been given to him. Uh, and what's powerful, it says that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. And what I want you to see in his cry and in his prayer, because all we have about this guy is his name means pain, which means he had a very difficult life, and he prayed a prayer. That's all we know about it. But what I want you to see in his prayer is he doesn't mention his pain in the prayer. He doesn't focus on his problems, on his drama, on his circumstances, what he's going through in life. He cries out about the promise that God has for him, not the pain of his circumstances. So look at the prayer with me. It says, oh, that you would bless me. Nothing about pain. God, bless me. Bless me. Give me more than I need and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God says, oh, that's how you're going to pray. That's how you're going to go about it. You're not going to focus on your needs. You're not going to focus on your issues. You're not going to focus on your circumstances. You're going to focus on the promise and what I want to do through your life. Because the blessing on his life wasn't for him. It was for God's purposes and God's kingdom. That's why, that's why he wanted God to be with him and protect him. Because he wasn't doing it for his own material good. He was doing it for the good of the kingdom. And God says, so, so you're, you're not going to pray about your pain. You're not going to ask me to... to Take away the painful circumstances and take away the drama of your life. You're going to focus on my promise and my plan. And my... Look, look how God responds to his prayer. God granted his request. I want you to think about this for a moment. We're reading a book filled with random names. All of a sudden, in the middle of this book, in the middle of all of these random names, God gives an honorable mention to this obscure guy named Jabez. We only know two things about him. One, his life was painful. And two, he prayed a prayer that got the attention of God. I'm sure other guys in this chapter prayed prayers. I'm sure other people in this book prayed prayers. So what was it about Jabez's prayer that made God stop, pay attention, Record it forever throughout all history and answer and grant him his request. We're going to break it down today because Jabez prays four things. Four of the most powerful things you can pray over your life every day. Let's look at the first part of the prayer. He says that you would bless me. God, bless me. Bless me. Number one, pray for blessing. Now, this isn't just financial or material blessing, although that is one of them. We don't need to be ashamed to pray that God would bless us. God, bless me with more than I have. Bless me with health. Bless me with finances. Bless my marriage. Bless my children. Bless my family, bless my job, bless my, my career. 
There is nothing wrong with asking God to bless you. It is His desire. It is His heart. Think about it. Out of all the guys in this entire book of Chronicles, something about this prayer of God bless me made God stop and pay attention and record it. You see, it's all about what God, God wants to bless you really more than you even want to be blessed. Look at this in Psalm 18. David says this about God. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. And look at this. You stoop down. You stoop down to make me great. I want you to think about that. David says, God, you stoop down. You, you took the time to come down to me and make me great. Can I tell you? That's me. That is my life. If you only knew where I came from, if you only knew my family history, my family background, the mistakes I've made, the things that I've done, the only reason I am here today is because God stooped down to make me great. You see, this word blessing means to impart supernatural favor. And it's not just, just bless me. When you study it in the original Hebrew, and some translations actually have this, it's bless me indeed. Don't just bless me, bless me indeed. The word indeed in the Hebrew language would be like adding five exclamation points to it. Or if you're like an emoji person, it's hundred, 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 like five hundreds on the, like bless me, Five hundreds. God, I want you to do this, and I don't want you to just do it. I want you to do it in a big way. See, God wants you blessed. It's in God's nature to bless us. Now, here's the question. Here's the important thing to understand about the blessing of God. Why does God want you to be blessed? Why does God want to bless your finances? Why does God want to bless your health? Why does God want to bless your marriage? Why does God want to bless your children? There's one reason. If, if you're not blessed, you can't be a blessing. Look at this in Genesis 12. I will bless you, God says. So, so God's heart, God's motivation, God's desire for you is to bless you. But here's the why. So that you will be a blessing to others. God wants you to be blessed, but he wants you to be blessed for a purpose. He wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. So we don't pray, God, give me more for the sake of having more. We pray, God, give me more so that I can give more, so that I can do more, so that I can be a greater blessing in the lives of people. So I want to show you how I pray when I pray this, this prayer of Jabez. And I want to encourage you to pray this way. God, something about this prayer made God stop. I want you to pray this over your life, over your business, over your finances, over your career, over your family, over your marriage, over your household. Lord, give me more than I need. Give me more than I need so that I can be a blessing to the world around me. See, this is what I pray for our church every day. God, give our church more than we need. Give our church more than enough so that we can do more. See, here's the beauty of Coastline Church. We don't have any needs as a church, but we have a whole lot of vision. There's a whole lot of vision around here of what we could do if. But God bless our church to do more, to help more, to serve more, to, to do more in Mexico, to do more in North County, to do more when it comes to human trafficking and sex slavery. God bless us so that we can be a blessing. 
But here's the thing. So, so, so what if God answers that prayer? What if God does bless you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with it? This is why Jabez prayed the second part. He said, now enlarge my territory. In other words, God, if you're going to bless me, if you're going to give me more than I need, then I need you to increase my capacity. In other words, he's praying for influence. God, if you're going to bless me, then I want to steward it well. If you're going to bless me, then I want to give it to the right people. I want to give it to the right things. I want to use it well for your kingdom, your purposes. So don't just bless me. Give me the influence and the ability to use the blessing on my life to make a bigger difference than I could possibly make on my own. You see, God wants to use you to make a difference. Let me put it like this. Your life is bigger than just your life. God wants to expand your territory. He wants to expand your influence. And here's the thing. People who pray the prayer of influence are the happiest people on planet Earth. Why? Because they're living a life bigger than themselves. They're living a life bigger than just their life. And when you're living thinking about others and thinking about your purpose and thinking about God expand me so that I can do more outside of just me and mine and my little house, I'm telling you, you live fulfilled, satisfied. It's the greatest. This is why Paul, when he prayed for the church in the book of Ephesians, he prayed, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's your influence. There's a hope to what God has called you. God has called you to do something bigger with your life than simply live your life. Your life isn't just about working nine to five for 40 years and then hopefully retire and get the kids through college. It is much bigger than that. There's a hope to which God has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you realize there is an inheritance for you? God has an inheritance with your name on it. Are you going to claim your inheritance? And here's your inheritance. It's not wealth. Your inheritance isn't material things or money. No, it's bigger than all of that. Your inheritance is people. You see, when we serve and when we, when we allow God to use the influence in our life, whether it's working in a parking lot at church or whether it's serving on a camera and the media team, the worship team, whether it's loving a neighbor, whatever your influence is, it's all about bringing people to heaven. What is your influence? David put it like this in Psalm 2. Ask me, God says, and I will make the nations, your inheritance, your inheritance is people. It's the nations. God has a plan for you to bring lost sons and daughters home. You see, there are people all around our church, all around your house, all around you at work, all around your life that are lost, that don't know Jesus, that don't have a relationship with them, that have never been told the good news of a God who loves them. And it's our responsibility to make a difference. You see, people are the only thing that lasts forever. When you die, you're not taking your house and your cars and your money with you. The only thing that goes with you when you die is people. The people that you impacted, the people that you loved, the people that you brought to Christ. When I was in Colombia 
last year. There's a church in Colombia that, that I, I got to be a part of. And one of the most amazing things in this church is when you become a Christian in this church, they have traditional altar calls where at the end of the service on Sunday, they ask everyone to come forward that wants to give their life to Jesus. And you go off kind of in this, this, this hidden room somewhere. Now, we don't, we don't do things like that in America because it scares people, but it's a different culture there. And so they take people into this little room. And when you get in the room, they give you a Bible. It's your very first Bible after you become a Christian. And they take a picture of you, like one of those Polaroid cameras that immediately spits out the photo. And then there's somebody who, who cuts, cuts your face out of the photo. And then when you open up the Bible, there's, there's, a, there's a picture in the Bible of a person standing on a stage speaking to thousands of people. And what they do is they take your face from that photo and they slide it in because we're the, we're the faces of the person. There's just an empty hole. So they slide the picture in. So it's your face speaking to thousands of people. Because they want you to know from the moment you give your life to Jesus, your life isn't about you. That you have an influence. The very first picture they want you to see is you influencing people. You using the influence that God has given you for His kingdom and His purposes. So here's what I want to encourage you to pray every day when you pray the prayer of Jabez. Lord, show me your purpose for my life so I can live a life bigger than my own. I don't want to live a life just about me. I don't want to live a life just about my kids and my home and my job. I want to live a life bigger than me. Dream a big dream. I remember praying this prayer when I first got saved. I was in a church. I was 19 years old, coming off of drugs, coming out of a really just, just, just horrible childhood and the pastor always preached about dream big. My, Tommy Barnett, dream big, have big dreams for God. And I remember sitting there one day and, and he said, you need to have a dream that is impossible. You need to have a dream that is bigger than you. You need to have a dream that takes God to pull off. And if you knew what a wreck my life was at that moment, then you would know how impossible this dream was. You see, at that time, that church in Phoenix, Arizona was one of the largest, probably one of the top five largest churches in all of America and had the second largest auditorium in America, 6,500 chairs with two balconies. And I said, God, one day I want to preach in this church. And I said that as a 19-year-old kid, not knowing at all how that would ever happen, knowing my life, knowing my past, knowing my background. Because the who's who of Christianity stood in that pulpit week after week after week to preach. Well, now fast forward almost 25 years later. I've preached in that church now multiple times. Why? Because I... Because I prayed, God, let me do something bigger than me. Let me do something that I don't have the ability to do. Enlarge my territory. Give me influence. So God, bless me. Bless me. I need, I need your blessing on my life. And then give me influence. Enlarge my territory. Let me, have, let me live a life bigger than my life. And then here's the third thing. If you're going to do those first two things, God, like if you're going to bless me, God, and you're going to enlarge my influence and my territory, that's why, God, let your hand be with me. Like, I don't want to do this without you. God, I need you. I am desperate for you. I don't want to step out with your blessing and your influence and mess this whole thing up. Be with me. So here's the third thing. Pray for presence. Pray for presence. God, I want your hand on my life. 
I don't want to do this without you. We see this all throughout the Bible. God's hand is always His presence. It's always His power resting on our life to do what He has called us to do. In the book of Acts, it says in Acts 11, the Lord's hand was with them. His presence was with them. And look at the result. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. God, I need your hand. God, I need your presence because you have a calling on my life. There is a purpose to my life and I can't do it without you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have the ability. If you don't do it with me, God, I can't do it. God, I need your presence. We've got to learn to walk in his presence. Look, I know it feels better to be qualified. I know it feels better to be trained and competent and educated and well able to do the job. But you know what? God prefers, God prefers to be great through you. God prefers to take the things that are despised by this world and, and use the things that seem foolish to the world because when we are weak, He is strong. I'm telling you, if you knew my abilities, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. That's, that's why I'm desperate for God's presence. I, I pray like Moses prayed. You know, I pray this almost every day of my life in everything that I am going through. Here's what Moses said. Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us. God, I don't want to go without your presence. I don't want to do this without you. He says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? God, we can't do it without you. We're not smart enough. We're not gifted enough. We're not able enough. We need you. He says, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked. Do you know God loves it when we ask for his presence? There's nothing God wants more than, than to be with his children. You know, as a father, I've got two boys at home. There's nothing, especially with the, the three-year-old, he always wants to be with me. But the 12-year-old, when he says, Dad, I want to hang out with you. Dad, can we do this together? There's nothing that feels better as a father than when you've got a son that wants your presence in his life. And God feels the same way. So here's what I encourage you to pray. Lord, be with me. Be with me because what you've called me to is too big for me. What you've called me to is impossible. I don't have the ability. I, I don't have what it takes. I need your presence. I need your presence. So God, bless me. Give me more than enough. God, expand my territory. Give me the influence to steward the blessing well. And God, if you're going to bless me and if, and, and if you're going to enlarge my territory, then you're going to have to go with me because I'm not doing it without you. Now, here's the bad news of the message. If God answers those three things, if God does those three things in your life, I promise you all hell is going to break loose. You are going to be under attack. And that's why he prayed the fourth thing and keep me from harm. So what's number four? Pray for protection. Pray for protection. Why? Because if God blesses you and God expands your influence and God's presence is with you, Satan is coming. There is a very real devil and whether you believe in him or not does not matter. He is coming after you if God answers those three things. So God bless me. Give me greater influence in my life. Let your presence be with me. And if you do all that, God, you are going to have to protect me. You're going to have to protect me. You know, this year, 
as a church, we began 2020, and what God spoke to me clearly was this is a year of double redemption. God wanted to see our church grow. We're moving into one of the most evangelistic seasons this fall that we've ever had as a church family. Can I tell you the attack, the attack that we have been under since we stepped out this year? Since we made a decision to say, God, we want a bigger year than we've ever had, not, not just in our church, but just nationally in worldwide churches all over America have been praying this, and then all of a sudden COVID-19 happens, and the spiritual warfare, and the craziness, and the attack, and the pressure that comes. Look, you may think it's just circumstantial. No, the enemy is trying to keep you distracted from your purpose. All the drama all the pain, all the heartache, all the attack. The enemy is trying to take your eyes off the prize. He's trying, to, he's trying to get you to focus on your pain, on your circumstances, instead of on the promise that God has for you. Peter puts it like this, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's waiting in the bushes. He's very quiet, very, and he's just waiting for the right time to attack because he knows the promise that is on your life. He knows your purpose and calling better. The devil actually believes in some of you more than you believe in yourself. That's why he's trying to stop you. That's why he's trying to attack you. That's why he's trying to devour people because he wants to stop the mission of God on earth. So we can't flee. We've got to fight. Like we have the name of Jesus. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but it, it's principalities and spirits of the dark realm. So we pray, God, give us more. And then give us the influence to use it. Then be with us. And then, God, you're going to have to protect us when all hell breaks loose. And let me give you a truth to stand. When all hell breaks loose in your life, when you're under attack, when, when it feels like everything is falling apart around you, and, and, and it's heavy, and it hurts, and it's, let me give you a promise to stand upon. Who, who or what shall separate us from the love of of Christ shall trouble, shall trouble. Maybe it's trouble that you've created for yourself. Maybe it's, maybe it's trouble that somebody else created for you. Hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. In other words, pain. Can pain separate you from the love of God? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors to Him who loved us. So here's the fourth thing I pray. Lord, strengthen me. Protect me from every attack of the enemy. Strengthen, protect me from every attack of the enemy. And God, don't just get me through the attacks. Keep the attacks from happening. Like, 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 like rout the devil. Like, like make sure, like, like, God wants to do it. Because God, he, he put this plan and purpose and call on your life. He wants to bless you, wants to give you more than enough. He wants to expand your influence. He wants to do it with you, and he wants to protect you. There's something about those four things that move the heart of God. And all we know about this obscure character, Jabez, is he prayed this prayer, and God did it. God answered it. God liked that. So here's, here's your choices. you you got two ways you can pray. Number one, you can make it all about you. You can go to God and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You can talk about your pain. You can talk about your circumstances. You can talk about all your problems that you're going to. Or number two, you can talk about what God wants to talk about. You can go to God and pray his prayer list. 
Because God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. What if you spent more time praying over God's promise for your life than the pain in your life? I'm telling you what will happen. It, it, it'll make God stop. Oh, you're going to pray like that, are you? Watch this. Boom. And all of a sudden, God begins to move in ways you never thought possible. So here's the thought I want to leave you with with this week's message. Prayer isn't about God moving towards us. You know, prayer isn't, God, come on down and see what I'm going through. God, God, in case you haven't noticed shit, in case you're not paying attention, God, I need you to know what's going on. No, no, no. Prayer is about us moving toward God. God, I want to know what you're up to. Yeah, I've got drama here, but God, show me what you're doing. God, show me what your plan is. God, show me what your purpose is. There's a lot going on down here, but I'm going to focus on what you want me to focus on and what your heart is into. And then all of a sudden, God begins to address all these other things, and it's, it's powerful. The prayer of Jabez. I can pray this prayer in a minute. God, bless me. Give me influence, God. God, God, let your presence be with me and protect me, or I can spend 20 minutes on this prayer. I, I can take each one of those four points and spend about five minutes on each and every one of them. I can spend an hour. I can spend 15 minutes on each and every one. I'm telling you, these four things, there's something about them that moves the heart of God. There's something about this prayer that God loves to answer the prayer of Jabez. So I want to invite you to make this prayer a regular part of your life, if not a daily part of your life. Pray it over your marriage. Pray it over your business. Pray it over your children. Pray it over every aspect of your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for this model and this pattern of prayer that you, you for whatever reason, out of all of these random names, you stopped on this name Jabez. And there was something about this prayer that made you stop, pay attention, record it for us, and answer it. So let us learn from this prayer and apply it to our daily life in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here and watching this message and you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, can I tell you, all of this is available to you through Jesus. God wants to be your father. We say around here, God doesn't want to be a religion. He wants to be your father. But there's one way to the father, and that's Jesus Christ, the son. I love you enough to be honest with you. All roads don't lead to heaven. All religions don't lead to heaven. One road leads to heaven, Jesus Christ, God's son. And if you thought about it logically for a moment, it makes sense. Why would God allow his son to be tortured, killed, and abused? For our salvation, if there was any other way to get around it, it makes no sense. That would not be a loving God. That would be a cruel God. You see, there's one way to the Father. That's Jesus. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, before you, before you turn off this message today, would you take a moment and pray with me? Just right now, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never made him king, you've never become a Christian, born again, whatever you want to call it, Right now, pray with me. Say, Jesus, today, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that God rose you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. You are now my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, would you let us know if you're on certain platforms, there's a button that you can click. You can click for prayer. Email us. Email us at prayer at coastlinechurch.org. Let us know you gave your life to Christ. We would love to be praying over you in the journey that you're on. So if you'd please let us know so that we can support you, love you, and pray for you on the greatest journey and the greatest adventure of your life, the adventure of following Jesus Christ as King. Have a great week and join me Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. for 21 days of prayer. Wow, what an incredible message on the power of prayer. You know, it reminds me of some years ago when I gave my life to Christ and I wanted to learn how to pray, right? And I recall just the prayers that I've heard people pray, like eloquent, just stuffed with scripture. And, you know, they got veins just popping out the side of the necks. And I'm like, oh, my word. I'm like this. I, I'm in awe of this person's just connection with God, right? But if I'm honest, at the same time, I was a little intimidated. Because I'd be like, there's no way that I could pray that way. And as I continue to grow in my faith and read scripture, you know, I come across a prayer like the prayer of Jabez. Just a couple of lines that ends with, and, you know, like God granting the prayer. And it showed me that there's nothing wrong with the eloquent prayers. Because I've, I've seen God move when people really get after it in that manner. But you also see God in the simpler prayers, the one or two liners. Because really, what matters is what's happening in your heart. So you could say a thousand words, and they can be completely meaningless if your heart is not in the right place. Or you could say five words, and they can be completely meaningless, and vice versa. And so I hope that encourages you the way that it encourages me daily to remember that sometimes you will have the prayer. Sometimes you will get there where your prayers, I mean, it's got, I mean, it's just got all the bells and whistles and your people are inspired and it's crazy. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, you're just calling down the rain and manna from heaven. And then sometimes it's just you in your closet or you, wherever you like to pray, whatever that, wherever that quiet place is, just saying, God, enlarge my territory. God, Help me get through this day. God, give me grace. Give me strength. And God is like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that for you. Listen, if you gave your life to Christ today or you recommitted your life to Christ today, I want you to know that we're celebrating you right now. We're rooting for you. And we got a team of people ready to connect with you. So go ahead and let us know who you are in the comments or the chat section. And we'll get you connected and help you take your next steps in your faith. For the rest of us who were challenged by this message, good. I am so thankful that God continually challenges me with these messages and in my daily learning of his love. Because if, you know, if we're not challenged, then we can't grow. And that challenge means he really wants to grow you. So I encourage you to spend some time this week in prayer. Wrestle with this. Meditate on his word. And let him, let him really unpack something very beautiful that you can live out Monday. Some freedom, some grace, some truth and power in your life. We love you, church, and we can't wait to do this again with you next weekend. Don't forget to bring a friend Sunday at 10 a.m. Love you guys. See you.